morning. How's everybody doing? So I got this timer thing that I have to start. <laughs> Some of us, I have two kids back there, man. Trust me, they don't want to. They're, uh, they're, they're, they're like ready to go. Uh, so like Pat, uh, Matt said, my name's uh, Joey. I've been here for about a month and a half. It's been uh, my pleasure to be here. It's been tons of fun. I've got to meet uh, a lot of you guys. And uh, man, I've just been able to really get to know you guys on a real personal level, hear a lot of your testimonies. And I kind of shared one last week about Lucky. Just, and it's just been really, really exciting. So <clears throat> I'm going to move this thing because Jeff like preaches with nothing in front of him. I believe in something called a pulpit. So um, I'm going to move this this way. Nothing against Jeff, but this is how I roll. So, um, and I'm kind of long-winded, so I have to have the timer in front of me. Uh, so for the last few, uh, last month, we've been going through Advent. And Advent is, like uh, we've, we've learned, is that we're looking forward to the coming of Christ. And we've talked about hope, peace, joy, uh, and love. And we learned about those things. And then Matt got up here last week, and he talked about communion. And he talked about it, how, and it was, it was super cool, because he kind of connected all at the end about how, man, if the incarnation of Christ did not come, we wouldn't have the cross. And if we don't have the cross, we can't have hope, peace, joy, and love. And it was just really cool to see how all of that stuff ties together. So entering into the new year, um, you know, it's it, like Matt was talking about earlier, we're at this place where we start over a lot of times. People, you know, they go and get gym memberships. They decide to get on a diet. They, we're going to do financial peace. They're going to budget better. Uh, you know, they're going to do life together better. They make all these resolutions. So um, with that said, I want to challenge you guys a bit today. Um, and and it's, it's really not hard because as Christians... Our obligation to one another is to be in community with one another. So um, the answer really to this question of what do we do after Christmas? Because some new people have come. uh, People who haven't been coming now have started to come back. And then uh, we got, uh, right, and then we have people who have been here who participate on Sunday and then are kind of absent throughout the week, throughout the the life of the church. So uh, here's what I want to say. The answer is really simple coming into the new year Uh, What do we do now with this message of Christmas, hope, joy, peace, and love? What do we do? The answer is really simple. We just want to get connected in community. So if you're you're already connected in community, I want to challenge you this way. Stay connected in community. I I know that sounds easy because you're already doing it, but in reality, life's hard sometimes. You have kids. I got three. You got to shepherd them around. They're hard. Uh, You know, you're busy, you're working a lot, life is difficult. So I want to challenge you to stay connected in community uh, this year. If you're partly connected in community, I want to challenge you to get fully connected in community, right? Be all in, right? Christ was all in when he went to the cross. I want to encourage you and challenge you to be all in uh, this year, if you aren't connected in community, and this is just a place where you come on Sundays to hear the preached word, and then you leave and you go about your life, and your life looks different throughout the week, I want to challenge you to get connected. Step out of your comfort zone. Uh, go see Yvette and the Connect team out there. Get connected. Join a community group. Do something. Uh, jump on a serving team. See where you f- can fit in, because believe it or not, there's even good community in there. If, uh, if you're new from Christmas... 
um, if you're new from Christmas and this is like the first time in a long time you've been to church or you're a brand new Christian, here's kind of like a next step for you. Uh, besides connecting points is get connected in community and you can start with connecting points next week. So I want to challenge you guys to do that. Um, so we're talking a lot about community, but my aim today is not going to be here's like your nine-step plan to being in community. That's just not going to be my aim. Uh, my aim today is really going to be uh, to show you two things. One, what, com- what Christian community is supposed to look like from the scripture. What does the Bible say our Christian community is supposed to look like? And two, what's the purpose of Christian community? Why is it important? Uh, it's important for us to understand these things as we uh, participate in them. So before we jump into Galatians chapter 5, I want to talk about Christian community in a really simple way. So I want, to, I, I want to define what Christian community is first. It's this. Christian community always includes God and one another. So it always includes God and us, the people of God. If you remove God, you don't have Christian community anymore. If you remove people, you just have your relationship with Christ, and that's not Christian community. God calls us to be in a community together. So I want to make that really, really clear. So uh, before we jump in, my main point is this. Uh, My main point is this. There it is. Perfect. Uh, Living in God's spiritual kingdom frees us to pursue God's holiness in our lives and in the lives of others. So I'll I'll read it again. The main point is this. Living in God's spiritual kingdom frees us to pursue God's holiness in our lives and in the lives of others. So if you have your Bibles open, Galatians chapter 5, we're going to start in verse 16, and I didn't tell any of you guys that, so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go ahead and pray, and I'll pretend like you aren't going there in your Bible. So let me go ahead and pray before we jump in, and you can turn to Galatians chapter 5. Father God, we just, um, we love you, and we thank you for today. Uh, Father, I thank you for the Apostle Paul, the Apostle that you sent to uh, give us these words to really illuminate to us uh, what community looks like, um, the purpose of it, why it's important, Father. And uh, Lord, Father, I just pray that I become invisible and you become visible up here and that uh, your ways and your glory is spread to the end of the earth. And Father, we love you. We thank you so much for Jesus uh, we thank you so much for just willfully sending your son to die for us. In Christ's name, amen. So Galatians 5, verse 16 says this, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh, for the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. So what is Paul talking about? First and foremost, Paul now, initially here, starts with your relationship with God. The flesh is a term used for your old nature. So what I mean by that is before you were a Christian, right, you were opposed to God. Uh, Paul says this in Romans 8, 7. He says, for the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. In other words, What Paul's saying when he's using this word flesh, he's making it really, really clear to us that when we are born and we come into this world and we don't know Jesus, we are opposed to him. We're hostile. Our ways aren't his ways, and his ways aren't our ways. They're not. And he makes it really clear that in this dynamic, 
of being a Christian, the Spirit of God then enters into us, and now the Spirit is combating this old nature, right? He's doing away with this old nature. Uh, it's now fading away, and we are in this really long, snail-paced process called sanctification, right? Moves really slow, like a snail. Have any of you guys seen a snail move? The answer is probably no, because that's how slow they move, right? Uh, so we're in this really long process of becoming more like Christ. So Paul now is addressing this relationship between God. This is part of Christian community, God indwelling in us, combating our old self, right? So let me give you guys uh, an example of how this process works. And this is going to be a much uh, a shorter time period. So my daughter, she's five. Her name is Leah. She's sweet. She's back there. She's probably going to run up here at some point. Um, she's five years old. And so recently we've had this issue with her where she hates the bumps on the wall in her room. And by that I mean she doesn't like the texture. So what she does is she starts picking away at it like this. She's picking away. And you know what happens? Does the texture go away? No. What goes away? The paint. Yeah. Yeah, if you guys are all tracking, all your parents are like, oh, no, no, right? Um, so the paint starts fading, and so my wife and I were like, sweetheart, what? What are you doing? Like, stop picking the wall. That's, I, and, and her response is this, daddy, I hate the bumps. I don't like the bumps on the wall. I'm trying to get them away, right? And, and our response is, sweetheart, we know you don't like the bumps, but you got to stop picking the wall. That costs us money, right? <laughs> like, you ain't got no job unless you want to pay for it. It's not going to happen. So, so over a period of time, she continues to pick the wall. And our response to her con consistently is, stop picking the wall. And then over a period of time, this, so her response is always, Daddy, I don't like the bumps. And then her response then later becomes, I know it's wrong, but I can't help it. Right? And so many times in our Christian walk, this is what we do. We're like, at first, we're like, what do you mean I can't do that anymore? Right? Because the Spirit of God is slowly chipping away at this old nature. And then our response becomes, I know it's wrong, but it's hard for me to stop doing it. And now, by God's grace, because she's five, we're in a place with her now where she doesn't do it at all. She's now overcome this, right? Through long suffering, right? <laughs> so, but she's in this place now where she went from rebellion to I know it's wrong to I'm not doing it anymore. And so that's a short time period of what sanctification looks like for us, right? Ours is our whole life, snail pace. Remember, we go slow. Um, and, and that's really uh, what Paul is talking about. He's talking about this process of sanctification. So my point for you would be this. It would be the Spirit of God gives us the ability to overcome our flesh. The Spirit of God gives us the ability to overcome our flesh. Verse 18 says this, But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. 19. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual morality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness. I'm not saying the other word because there's little kids in here. And things like these. And then this is what Paul gets at after this list. Now, remember, this is a very generalized list. He's just talking about like, things like rivalries. I'm a Cowboys fan. If you're an Oakland Raiders fan, we're probably not friends. Right? So that's how that works. But what he's saying is things like these, 
because you can be a rivalry in schools. You can have rivalries in sports. You can have them all over. So these are generalized things. But look what Paul says at the end of verse 21. And this is where I really want to focus. He says, I warn you as I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. See, what I want us to realize, especially from this list that Paul gives us, is that, sure, these things are sinful because they break God's law, but I also want us to catch the, the result of breaking God's law. Breaking God's law is a breaking of relationship. It's a breaking of relationship with God and with one another, right? If I am such a diehard Cowboys fan, and I have a brother in Christ who is a diehard Raiders fan, we probably aren't going to get along immediately. But my relationship to him in Christ must come first. It's hard, but it has to come first, right? So the point that Paul is making here, and I want us to see this, because I want us to notice that he uses the words kingdom of God. Kingdom of God. He relates the words kingdom of God to this list of essentially do, don't do these things because you break relationship with God and you break relationship with others. And in order for us to understand what he's talking about here, we have to understand the nature of the kingdom of God. What does the kingdom of God look like? Is it something that we can visibly currently see? The answer is no. Um, and I know being in Southern California and maybe being a Christian here, that's a hard thing to understand. So I, what I want to do is I want to jump in, into uh, Luke 17, what Jesus says. And I think it's really important for us to understand this. Luke 17, verse 20 says this. Being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come. Notice that's the same question, visible. When can I see it? He answered them, the kingdom of God is not coming in ways that can be observed, nor will they say, look, here it is, or there. Look what he says, for behold, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. It's in the midst of us. And I think this is an important concept to understand, especially in light of what God, or what Paul, I'm sorry, is talking about in this passage with this list of the works of the flesh. See, what he's saying is this, is that the Spirit of God has come. It indwells believers. Jesus' first words in Mark, uh, in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1, were, uh, Behold, for the kingdom of God is at hand. In other words, it has begun, and he's brought the kingdom of God with him, but he's brought it spiritually. And the reason he, he ties this word kingdom of God, that you will not inherit the kingdom of God if you do these things, is because he wants you to demonstrate kingdom living now. It's important for us to understand that the relationship between our actions, our desires, and our thoughts and our mind are very much tied to the spiritual kingdom that we are currently a part of. Does that make sense? And it's super, super important for us to understand that and see it. As Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, he says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ... He is a new creation. The old has passed away and the new has come. Paul describes this kingdom the same way. He, talks, he, he ties in the word new creation. And what he's saying is that when you become a Christian, you're brand new. The old is dead. The new has come. This is your new life in Christ. You are part of that spiritual kingdom. And so this is why it's so important for us to understand these things that we, we ought not to do. Because they don't demonstrate kingdom living now. If I put my cowboys before Christ and my brother, I'm not demonstrating kingdom living now. It's sinful. 
And so he uses this example, and my point with that is, is really simple. It's, it's this. It's, we are living in God's kingdom now. Therefore, our lives must reflect this reality. It's real. The Spirit of God is real. He is dwelling in believers. That's why everybody is here in this room. That's why uh, churches across the world this morning have met because the Spirit of God and the kingdom of God is advancing throughout the entire world. And then he goes on in verse 22, and he says this, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And then look what he says, Against such things there is no law. Guys, again, he doesn't list specific things like, you know, be nice, like, like it's all, so what he gives us here is our virtues, right? He gives us virtues, characters, that the character of God, this stuff reflects the character of God, and so he gives us these virtues, and he says, pursue these things, these are the fruit of the Spirit. When you are pursuing the Spirit of God in your life, and you are being obedient to him, these things will happen. Again, these aren't specific things, these are generalized. He says this, he says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love. In other words, demonstrate love in all aspects of your life, not just one thing. And let me, let me mention this, because a lot of times we, we make this mistake where we think love means being nice or non-confrontational. That's a better word. We think love means non, non-confrontational. That's not true. In this very book, in Galatians, Paul confronted Peter to his face for being a racist for treating Jews better than Gentiles. Paul loved Peter in that moment, and he confronted him over his sin, right? So this is what he means. He says, the fruit of the Spirit is love. Demonstrate this in all things. In other words, and joy. Demonstrate, have joy in all things. Have peace in all things. Demonstrate patience in all things. Kindness in all things. Things and the list goes on and on. And he's, and he's making this point because what he's saying here is that these fruits of the Spirit, which, by the way, the Spirit of God is God, is God's as a reflection of who God is. It's his nature. It's his character. And if we can have the fruits of the Spirit, then we become a reflection of God ourselves. Because people are going to look at us and say, wait, time out. Why are you nice to me when I was just a jerk to you? Right, And our response is because of what God has done in me. We then become this light, the salt of the world. We reflect the nature and character of God as we pursue the Holy Spirit in our lives. Does that make sense? And in doing so, the kingdom of God grows. It will grow naturally because what happens is People will start looking at you and saying, I don't understand why you live that way. And the kingdom will grow naturally. And what they're actually seeing is you are reflecting the holiness of God. You're not, Jesus has made you holy in the Father's sight. But now in your action, by loving someone the way Christ has loved you, you are reflecting that same holiness that Jesus has purchased us with, that righteousness. So my point with this is this. Uh, The Spirit of God frees us to reflect the holiness of God in our lives. That's what happens when we pursue, when we live a spirit-led life. Verse 24, 
And those who belong to Christ Jesus, right? Anyways, what he's saying is those who are led by the Spirit, those who belong to Christ Jesus, have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. This is important for us to understand because we hear this word crucify and we know it's related to Jesus, but I want you to know what a gruesome death that is. Like, it's brutal. And what Paul is saying is that that is the type of war that we should declare on our own sin. Everything in our power, we should be killing our sin. Crucify it. Be done with it. This is something that we have to focus on because it's not easy. It's hard. It's really easy for Joey to be selfish. It's really hard for Joey to be selfless. It's very difficult. These are things that we have to focus on. Verse 26, he says, Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. In other words, right? These things don't reflect God's holiness. And then going on, he says this, verse, chapter 6, verse 1. He says, Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. The first thing I want you guys to recognize here is this word uh, spiritual. Because he says this, you who are spiritual. So I want this to be really, really clear because so many times as Christians, we, we don't do this. Paul is directly talking to anyone who is indwelled with the Holy Spirit. So if you stand in here today and you say, I'm a Christian, that means God has regenerated your heart and he's put his spirit in you. This is a direct, he is directly speaking to you at this moment. And he's saying this, and he's, and he's giving you a responsibility, something you are obligated to do as a Christian. He says, if anyone is caught in any transgression, in other words, sin, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. In other words, what he's saying here is that it is your obligation, it is your responsibility as a Christian to hold your brothers and sisters accountable because they too are Christians. Now, what he's saying here, he's not saying go beat them with their sin. It's not what he's saying. What he says is restore them in a spirit of gentleness. So what does this look like? And this is, I want us to grasp this because this is really important. If you have any conflict in your life, you first have to ask this question. How does the gospel apply to this situation? How? Because I can guarantee you, when we answer this question right now, it's always going to answer the same. Because the gospel doesn't change. The hope that it gives doesn't change. Nothing changes about it. So, first and foremost, in your conflict, whatever that issue is, the gospel first says this, that all have fallen short of the glory of God. We are all sinners. So, in, in, immediately, that causes humility. That should cause us to be humble in that situation. Not go and beat someone with their sin. That should cause a response like this. Father, I don't understand how I'm supposed to go to this person and confront him with the sinful things they're doing when I myself am also guilty of them. How do I do this? The next part of the gospel says this, that Christ came and died for them as he has died for you. What does that mean? That means that, that on the cross, Jesus paid for their sin. That sin that they're committing, Christ paid for that. And he gave his righteousness to them. So that means automatically that they are holy and blameless and a child of God. That means they automatically demand your respect because they have value and worth. It means you don't treat them poorly. You treat them as image-bearing creatures that they are. 
you treat them that way. So now your response is, Father, I am not worthy to do this because you've been humbled by the gospel. Your view of your brother who is in sin is that they are a child of God. That is their identity. And then the hope of the gospel is really this, is that the spirit of God has now come and dwells them and they are going to change whether they want to or not. That provides hope. That means I don't have to believe in them to change. That means I get to believe in God's work in them that they will change. There is a difference. I don't have to go to them and say, hey, here's this huge burden. But instead, now I get to go to them and say, I know it's hard. I know that things like this are hard to overcome. As your brother, here is this issue. How can I help you overcome this? And my faith isn't in them to overcome it. My faith is in the spirit of God to cause them to overcome it. Do you see that? Because the spirit of God, as Paul states in verse 16 and 17 and 18, is constantly chipping away at our old nature. And I have 25 seconds left, so let me hurry up. So here's my note, uh, my point for this, and then I will conclude. My point for this section is this, uh, a gospel approach to accountability prevents us from falling into sin but also allows us to humbly bear each other's burdens. A gospel approach to accountability prevents us from falling into sin, but also allows us to humbly bear each other's burdens. So let me conclude, because I'm out of time, and I know we got the littles in here, and I know it's hard with them. So our main point today was this. It's living in God's spiritual kingdom frees us to pursue God's holiness in our lives and in the lives of others. So I just want to show how these four points that I have are connected to this main point. The first point I made was the Spirit of God gives us the ability to overcome our flesh. This is community with God, right? This is community with God. This is the vertical aspect of Christian community. It's important. The second point I made was why are, uh, we are living in God's kingdom now, therefore our lives must reflect this reality. Community with God and community with one another. This is what it looks like, right? This is what it looks like. And then the third point I made was the Spirit of God frees us to reflect the holiness of God in our lives. Guys, this one right here, this is the whole purpose of community. It's not so that we are made much of, but rather it is so that Christ is made much of. Does that make sense? And the last thing that I just said uh, just a few minutes ago was this. A gospel approach to accountability prevents us from falling into sin, but also allows us to humbly bear each other's burdens. This is community with one another. So this is what I, I, I was hoping to accomplish. I want you guys to see the purpose of community, but I also want you to know what community is to look like. And what it is to look like, it's about a bunch of Christians coming together in humility and recognizing that they need one another and they need Christ to overcome the sinful desires of their hearts. And it's a process. And it's hard. But that's okay. Because we have the Spirit and the Spirit has given us also one another. Does that make sense? Cool. Let me pray and then we will, we will transition to our response. <clears throat> Father, I just... Um, I come before you and I just thank you for uh, Paul and his boldness to declare um, 
gosh, your holiness and the honor that you have given us, uh, even though we are sinners, to, to reflect that holiness to the world. So, Father, I just, I just pray, Lord, that our response to this for 2018 would be that we function this way in community with one another. And the beauty of this, Father, is that your community is always missional. And if we act this way, if we reflect you in our lives, it's going to draw the attention of unbelievers. So, Father, would you empower us for 2018 to do this through your spirit? In Christ's name I pray. Amen.